Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. don't leave triggered emotionally, triggered by the word of God, okay? So this is the goal of the whole thing was not to be triggered by whatever, but to be triggered by the word of God. But if you open your Bible to Romans chapter 13, we're going to get into that here in just a little bit. One of the most important things that we can do as Christians is apply the word of God to our life and to make sure that we do that correctly. And so last week, um, I talked about the junkyard juices, <laughs> and um, I uh, I brought my I brought my shoes, the ones that actually went to the junkyard. And so uh, these were the shoes that I uh, wore to the junkyard that I was talking about last week. That I stepped in that stuff and like left marks all around the. I got out of my truck, stepped in some stuff, and I slid, and uh, I. Uh, Got home and I got out of my, got out of my truck and I started walking across. Then I got back and then we were going out to my truck again and I noticed there was footprints. Like I don't know what I stepped in while I was at the junkyard, but it stuck juice. with me. Yeah, it was juice, some kind of juice. <laughs> um, and uh, it was it was so gross. But these are the shoes. Like they definitely don't look pretty. They have seen better days. These are my work shoes. Um, but they still do an okay job at like, you know, keeping paint off my feet. They're very uncomfortable at this point, but, you know, they're, they're well molded and ready to do work. <laughs> so um, in that last week, I, I talked about how, like, you know, sometimes we step in things in our lives. And we're like, God, why don't you remove this from my life? Instead of asking God to change the equipment in our life, God, change. Instead of change the situation, take the situation. God, help me to get through it. Help me to understand how to make it through, how to, how to walk in your peace, how to walk in your grace, how to do those things, but so change the shoes you're wearing. Well, anyways, I brought these this week because I feel like this week we may wade into the junkyard a little bit spiritually and uh, talking about some different stuff. And so um, I want you to know this, like I don't have, uh, well, I have opinions. Everybody's got opinions. Jump on Facebook for five minutes and you'll see everybody in your friends list has opinions about something that is going on in the world today. But um I watched a few years ago, Romans 13 got pulled out a lot in 2020. Um, and they pulled out just a couple of scriptures and they took it out of context. And you know what was crazy is I watched churches attack churches. I watched ministers attack ministers. And if you just got rid of the whole like political side of it and just talked about what the church did, I feel like in 2020, the church looked a little ridiculous. Whether you closed the church down or you kept it open, I feel like when we started attacking one another, we looked ridiculous. What is the purpose of the church? It's not to attack one another, but to attack the enemy, to be on the offensive and not be attacking one another. Like, that's the worst thing that we can do. But still to this day, like, people are upset about this. So one of the things that we're going to talk about today is applying scripture to day to, to, for today and day-to-day -day life. So let's look at Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. 
And it says, let everyone submit to the governing authorities. Since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So one of the things I heard with this one scripture was like, you have to submit to your government. Okay, it's not wrong. And, but then I also heard the argument that, well, no, this, this is only uh, submitting to the authority from God. So it's talking about church authority, or it's talking about um, the uh, only God's authority. But in this passage, he was talking about the governing authorities. And so, so then in verse 2, it says, So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. So many times this passage got pulled out in 2020. Uh, politicians used it. Newscasters used it. You churches that are staying open, you need to, you know, submit to your government. That's your Christian duty. Last week we left off talking about Christian ethics. And so here we go, jumping into Romans chapter 13. This, I'm telling you, this is one of the most controversial messages I've ever preached. Since I was writing it down, I was like, dear Lord, this is ridiculous. <laughs> But I think one of the things that happens in our world today is a politician, a saint, any person, they'll pull out a scripture that sounds good and they just go ahead and incorrectly apply it to their life. They're like, but I thought scripture, you know, all scripture is, yes, all scripture is, is given for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and righteousness, if you use it correctly, because you can take a whole lot of things in the Bible and use it incorrectly. And so is it proper for a Christian to submit to their government? Yes, it is. However, there is a point. This is not talking about doctrine. If you don't have a driver's license, get a driver's license. Paul is... <laughs> but are you driving a vehicle? <laughs> if you're driving a vehicle and don't have a driver's license, or you don't have your car insurance, I understand sometimes we can't afford things, but that's, that's like the laws of the land. Those are the things that I'm supposed to do appropriately. Have you ever gotten a speeding ticket before? I have. Have you ever done dumb things before and gotten in trouble for it? Yes, that... That is appropriate. That's how things work. Like, there are governing laws, and Paul goes on to talk about that. But he also leaves room for the Christians to stand up and to, um, to uh, resist when the government tries to um, change what the church believes. So, if you look at the arguments presented by this, one of them was, well, this was written for Christians to submit to their government. And the other one was, well, this was written in regards to church government. So what is it actually? Well, Paul is writing to the Roman church, telling them that they had a duty to their pagan government. Is our government pagan and void of God? A hundred percent, yes, in many cases, it is void of God. It is full of just whatever each and every individual wants. But yet, many times, we side with a political party, and we get all caught up in that political belief, and we're like, this is God, this is the Savior, like, this is God-ordained. You know what? If it's Republican, Democrat, or Independent, it was God-ordained according to what these scriptures say. And nobody's like, well, I stomach that real well. Nobody likes that because everybody wants their party to be the God-ordained party, right? Unfortunately, God is not the god of the Republican Party. He's not the party of the Democratic Party. He's not the God of the Independent Party. He is God above God. He is, he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He, he, he is not a respecter of persons, your political affiliation, 
But what he cares about is your salvation. There's no person in this world that died for you. There's no president that died for you that you could be saved. That is what we have to come back to when the world is getting crazy. Look at the grace of God and look what he has for me. So there was this huge in 2020, right, political divide, but also church divide. So maybe the question you ask, you're like, well, you guys shut down in 2020. You're right. We had very little options. We did. And you know what? I think it was appropriate for a period of time to like just, okay, so pastors, I watched churches get tore up by saints where they were like, well, the pastor made the wrong decision. And then if they, if the pastor didn't like enforce masks, he was making the wrong decision. If the pastor was enforcing masks, he made the wrong decision. What decision is it that I'm supposed to make that makes everybody happy? There isn't one. But what I'm supposed to do is look at the scripture and try my best to lead as God would intend. That's what we should have been doing. And so I watched, and you know what? I even said it. There was people that I watched that, you know, did things, and I was like, man, they, should, they shouldn't do it like that. You know what? We opened back up, and there was a time when we were supposed to close, and we didn't. We stayed open. Um, and there was a time when, you know, they were like, wear masks for two weeks. And you know what? I preached in a mask for two weeks because I wasn't going to ask anyone to sit there and wear a mask while I didn't wear a mask. And there was one Sunday I almost passed out, and I was like, we're done. Like, it's been two weeks. We're done. We're done. We're done <laughs> messing with this stuff. People got COVID. People, I have, I have three minister friends that I had pass away over COVID. Uh, people that I was close to. Um, so, yeah, it was serious to a certain point. But there's also, and like maybe you're hearing this today and you're like, well, I don't, I don't hear that stuff. I promise. It gets better. But the very foundations in these scriptures that he's talking about was for the church to do what's right. We're, we're supposed to have high ethics, right, as Christians. But yet many times our ethics are worse than the person that we're next to. You're like, well, well, I'm just a Christian. I'm just saved by grace and I can do whatever I want to. Wrong. If you're living and your ethics are way down in the dirt and you're doing things that are shady, I question your commitment to your relationship with God. So when the church should have stood, many times we became divided. But what is the enemy's purpose? Do I think COVID came about? And like, do I think like the enemy used it? A hundred percent the enemy used it to divide the church. In a time that we're supposed to stand together, the church was divided and it was like almost down party lines. It's still to this day, it's given uh, rise to this... Uh, uh, this Christian nationalism and all this stuff. And it, and it blows my mind. Are we, are we supporting a party or are we supporting and worshiping God? Which one is it? You have to ask yourself, what is it? Like, do your beliefs conflict with the word of God? That's a, like a really important question because like I'm asking myself that right now. When I, as I ask that, am I doing something that conflicts with the word of God? So in verse three, it says, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good and you will have its approval. Okay, first thing there is not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. So this is about conduct, right? It doesn't say anything about doctrine. It's about conduct. So we should conduct ourselves in accordance with the authority of our land. However, 
if it goes against the doctrine of the word of God. So some would say, the Bible says, forsake not the brethren, the, the brethren of the gathering. The, <laughs> the gathering of the brethren, we should, like, as we should gather together, I believe it. There's an importance in gathering together as a church. It, it, it brings unity. It brings, uh, we, we worship together, and it just it feels good to have people, like-minded believers, standing together. In this passage, though, and in that, with that, so yes, was there a time for the church to stand up and be like, okay, we're done with this? Yes, absolutely. I know a pastor that was fighting in California and finally and went to the Supreme Court. Like, uh, I'm friends with him in a, in a group. He, his church made it all the way to the Supreme Court, and it was the ruling that made it so that the lockdowns were considered unconstitutional. So, like, when I stand here and say, like, hey, should we shut down for a little bit? Yeah, it was okay. But we started having church in our basement. We had people show up to our basement, and I was like, who, why are you in my house? Like, I invited people. <laughs> Cindy and Russell started. They're like, I know you don't like preaching the camera. Can we just come to your house? Yeah. So we set up these couches, and we got some aluminum folding chairs then after a couple of weeks, and we invited everyone. I think there was like 12 people in our basement. It was so much fun, and there was a move of God. I remember seeing Betty. She was, like, on the floor praying. It was just so powerful, and there was something I realized, oh, we got to get back to it. We started having church, and we were in the Marco building and stuff, and it was a tiny space. You know, you have elbow room in here today. In that place, we had 40 chairs, and our biggest service in there, I think, was 48, so that was a standing room only day. <laughs> it was a fun time. My focus in those times wasn't to change the doctrine, wasn't to stay away from gathering together. The problem is, though, is there's a lot of people who forgot what they were standing for, and they didn't come back to church. <laughs> they were like, oh, the churches can't close, and then when they reopen, they're like, oh, I can't go back yet. I'm, I'm working now. My schedule changed. Like, all these things changed, and, like, I can't, put, I can't take any time out on Sunday to give to God. Like, all these things. Like, when did church become a convenience for you? When did serving God get to be a convenience? Because ain't nothing in the book like here that we're reading was con Paul was convenienced by serving God. He was, he was persecuted. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. Ain't nothing convenient about those things. Nothing is convenient there about that. However, he was willing to give all. And you're like, but Zach, I want to give just a little bit to God. You are more than able to give just a little bit to God. But don't expect a whole lot like back. Like we, are, what does that scripture say? Um, give and it shall be given back to you. Press down, shake it together and running over. So if you're a little bit, it's just a little bit pressed down, shaking together, running over. I want to give him everything that I am. Rachel present our bodies last week as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to, uh, acceptable to God. And it's our reasonable service. So here's what the scripture says. And Paul wasn't changing it. He gave room for resistance. Because of this scripture right here in Acts 4, 18 through 20, it says, so they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you, rather than God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. They were like, hey, you can do whatever you want to do, but just don't preach in the name of Jesus. And they were like, yeah, you know what? You can ask God if you think I should listen to you or should I listen to him. But just so you know, <laughs> in everything we do, <laughs> we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. So when the church comes together, when we stand together, we should do it in the name of Jesus. We should stand united, standing together. People are like, well, I think 
get into this a little bit later, but people are like fatigued, right? We, we, we hear, oh, God's coming back. God's coming back, and we get like fatigued by that. So did the Israelites when they were in bondage. They almost stopped believing the fact that, they're, um, that God would send a deliverer. And we forget that God is going to come back for his church. We're like, oh, well, it hasn't yet happened yet. I mean, this is, is it really going to happen? If the government comes in and tries to change the belief, I promise you, I will die standing on that. If someone comes in and tries to change the word of God, I will die fighting for them. It's not about a political party. There isn't a political party that will die for the word of God. They might die for their wallet. They might die for their desires and their goals and their opinions. But there are very few that will uphold the word of God truly. And so as Christians, our main objective when we're walking this world is to uphold the word of God. I will fight and die for the word of God. I will die preaching the word of God because I believe it. It's what changed my life. It's what will change your life. And so my objective isn't to change your opinion about your political party, your political affiliation. It's, it's my objective, though, to present scriptures to you that cause you to see the need for change in your life. To say, God, I am in desperate need of a relationship with you. So verse 4, it says, for it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. Because it does not, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant an avenger that brings wrath on one who does wrong. Therefore, therefore, you must submit not only because of the wrath, but because of your conscience. So the main point here is it's God's servant. Paul was talking about Roman rulers at the time, and he says they're God's servant. They were pagan, absent of God, you know, uh, supporting, you know, uh, the, uh, uh, what is it called? Yeah, paganism generally has like a lot of gods, and I can't remember what that was called. <laughs> but they, um, they, they were supporting like these other faiths. They had the sun god, the moon god, you know, the rain god. They had all the gods, right? And, and Paul was like, I'm going to preach in the name of Jesus. And everybody was upset about this. And, and so here in this, Paul was like saying, we cannot step down from the faith. We cannot step down from what it is. However, those leaders that are in your life, God has placed them there or has allowed them to be there. He, he didn't stop them. So by them being there, God is allowing them to be there. Like that kind of messes with our belief, I think, in our political parties. Um, yes, should you vote? Sure. I don't care what you do. But make sure that your beliefs line up with the word of God. But like I said, the first part of the message was super controversial. <laughs> um, just because we don't like something doesn't mean not mean does not mean that it's not part of God's plan. Just because we don't like it doesn't mean that God isn't in it. Just because we don't like it doesn't mean that that, that God's not there. When I remember this, we were talking about this. Me and Joe we were talking about cleanup week in Moorhead. There is some good stuff in there, in in those piles of stuff in Moorhead. There is some good stuff. Like I I found my I found a grill there. Joe was like, that's where I got my first grill. I just had to clean it up. Yeah, there was a lot of good stuff out there. And there are people that go through there, and he was talking about breaking TVs and, like, getting the coils out, you know, for the copper. And, yeah, I was like, yeah, you put something out there with a cord on it, and they were cutting the ends off and taking it so they could melt it down and do the copper and all this stuff. And I was like, is it really worth it? 
Like if you went to the junkyard today to dig through the garbage, would you find something good there? 100%. Yeah, you find some good stuff there. But is it worth it to go through to, to leave with junkyard juices on your shoes? I don't think so. When I was walking through the, the, the junkyard, it wasn't that I was trying to step in the stuff. It just happened to get on me. And so in that, in the same thing in our life, we turn on the, we turn on the news. I don't care if it's CNN, Fox, or MSNBC, or, or whatever the other ones are. I don't know what they are. Or you turn on Facebook, whatever it is, you're waiting through the junkyard. You're like, but Zach, I need to watch. And yes, I know. But do you, do, you, do you really need to get so invested in it that it makes you angry? Do you need to get so invested in it that it messes up your day? Do you need to get so invested in it that it just destroys your relationship with God? That's a tough one to ask yourself. So the Bible says the love of many will grow cold. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 24. He says the love of many will go cold. The Bible doesn't, doesn't spell out pretty roses for the last days. But it does give us hope in Jesus Christ. So verse 6, it says, And for this reason you pay taxes, since the authorities are God's servants, continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to those you owe, tax, uh, that you owe taxes, toll to those you owe toll, respect to those you owe respect, and honor to those you Oh, honor. As I'll put in here, that's for my sister. Get your Minnesota driver's license. <laughs> She's got her New Mexico driver's license. And I was like, you got 90 days, I think, or maybe it's 30. When you move to a place, you've been here for two years. I hope the police are listening. <laughs> Get her. <laughs> uh, do the right thing. Be above board. But if the government tries to change the word of God, fight and die for them. So Paul is leaving room for you to object when it comes down to changing the word of God. If they try and change this, we are to object. It's not saying submit just willingly and give up all control and everything like that. As some people maybe would say, it is giving an opportunity for us to be good citizens that's what he wanted. Be good citizens. Pay your taxes. Nobody likes taxes. But he said, hey, pay your taxes. Nobody likes toll when you're driving through Ohio. Nobody likes to pay the toll. It's like $10 to drive on the road. You're like, why did I pay taxes if I got to pay toll to drive on the road? I don't, you know what? I still to this day don't understand that. <laughs> uh, whatever. Anyways, let's stay on here. <laughs> uh, the place that we have to stake our claim is on the word of God not political ideology. The word of God, we've got to die for this. So pray for your president, whichever one it may be. <laughs> There's only one. So pray for your president that God would lead him, that God would guide him. Shoot, pray for your presence that God, president that God's will would be done. Like if you don't know what to pray or how to pray, like just pray, God, let your will be done in this country because, you know, it's a mess. That's, that's a perfectly appropriate prayer. It's a mess. <laughs> So let's, let's look at this. What is our job as Christians? Love God and love people. In verse 8, it says, Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So we jump back up to that very first verse and the people who were pulling it out and we were tearing down the other pastor and this. And we were tearing this down. Well, this person closed. I know churches that never reopened. 
I know churches that were closed for over a year. It destroyed churches. Like, it, it destroyed leadership. It destroyed people. And, and there are people that struggle to hear the gospel because of it. But you know what? I have to look at the good that happened, too. When it happened, the entire world, people that were like, I hate Facebook, got on Facebook so they could go to church. There were churches that were, like, anti-Facebook that I know of, and they got on Facebook. Like, all of a sudden, now Facebook's okay. I'm like, I was there before. It was cool. Um, <laughs> And they started live streaming. They're like, we're never going to live stream. And then here they go. They're live streaming now. And in that time, more people got to hear the gospel than ever before. It was more accessible than ever before. And we're like, we're, we're mad that we weren't gathering together. And I didn't like not gathering together. But man, that's powerful when you think about it. So when it says here that we are not to owe anyone anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law, we were failing to fulfill the law in many cases because we were beating each other up. And we were doing the enemy's job for him. He just got to sit back and watch because it, we made it easy for him. In verse 9, it says the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not covet. And any other commandment are summed up by this commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does, n does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. We don't have to keep up with the Joneses. I told my neighbor that I try and keep up with his lawn, but I can't. I don't think I ever told him that I talk about him in church all the time. I don't think I have the courage to do that. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> but I tell him, I'm trying to keep up with your lawn. Like, I went and got one of those power rakes so I could rake the, all the, you know, stuff on her because he did it. I'm just, like, watching what he does, and I'm, like, trying to copy it so my lawn looks good, too. <laughs> And uh, in this here, it says, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and any other commandment. This right here is summed up by love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to go tear up his yard because you want it to look worse than yours. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to covet your neighbor's wife. You're not going to be uh, in an adulterous relationship with your neighbor's wife. You're you're, you're not going to, um, you're not going to tear down your neighbor and his yard. You're not going to do these things to people because you love your neighbor as yourself. We're like, well, I got two people, one on each side. The rest of the world isn't my neighbor. I don't think that that's what this scripture was talking about. It wasn't talking physical uh, location to the people that you were next to. You're not going to agree with your neighbor. But yet you're to love your neighbor, present the gospel to him. So if you love your neighbor, you will weep when they weep, and you'll rejoice when they rejoice. When their yard is doing bad, you'll weep. And when their yard is doing good, you'll rejoice too, even if yours looks bad. I know that's like really simplistic, but like if you look at the, like the, the physical, like the spiritual, I mean, in that, like sometimes our spiritual yard looks real good. And we're doing real great. And the people next to us, they're struggling. And you're like... You can either sit back and look at their yard and be like, man, or you can get and you can help them. When someone weeps and we weep with them, we can help them walk the journey. We can help them know the fertilizer that they need for their yard. We can help them know the tools and the things that they need for their yard. It's a very spiritual application. So we should be at peace with as much as we can. This final 
These final last scriptures, though, right here. In verse 11, it says, besides this, since you know the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep. Because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So many times we look for what benefits me rather than what benefits my relationship with God. We take this central focus of myself and we don't try and reach God. We don't try and build a relationship with God. And so it's a callback to what Paul said earlier in Romans chapter 6. He says, we're weapons for righteousness. But then in, in chapter 7, he says, we produce fruit for God. The apple tree does not eat itself. It is making fruit for the master. So the things that have been done in my life, the things that God has cultivated in me and the fruit that I produce, it's not for me to get prideful about, but rather it is the fruit for God. It is the fruit that gets to bless people that I come in contact with. Don't begin to hoard your fruit and be like, oh, this is for me. No, it's for God to use as he sees fit. So it can't just be about me. I got to wake up and keep my brother and sister alive. We have got to awaken. That scripture right there. Wake up. The church in many cases has drifted off to sleep. And doesn't the Bible say that the thief will come, he will come as a thief in the night? I don't want to be sleeping. I don't want to be like the 10 virgins, the five, there was the five wise who prepared everything and were ready to meet the bridegroom. And then there was the five foolish that weren't prepared and weren't ready. I don't want to be one of the unprepared. I want to meet my savior. I want to meet him face to face one day. And so I'm going to do everything that I can. I'm going to wake up. God, help me to wake up so that I can see, so that I can watch, so that I can discern the times. But also, help me to have my brother and my sister's back. If there's anything that the church should do, it should have each other's back. If you were questioning, if you had someone who had your back, I just want you to know when you leave this place today, you have at least got me standing for you. I mean, you've at least got me that's going to have your back. I promise you, if we got to go down and do some knockdown, drag out fight, and I got your back. I'm kidding. I'm not serious about physical fighting. Okay, we're not going to do that. I'll probably get beat up. <laughs> okay, anyways. Let's look at this for just a second. Okay, so in Matthew 5.13, Jesus calls us the salt of the earth. Last night in prayer, this just hit me when I was, I was praying. And man, this just hit me. Matthew 5.13, he calls us, Jesus calls us the salt of the earth. And in Psalms 107, it says that he turns, in verse 33, he turns rivers to desert, spring to their ground, fruit into salty wasteland because of the wicked of its inhabitants. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound pretty. So one of the things was back in the day, when they would go into war, they would salt the land. They would make the land in, uninhabitable so that the enemy wouldn't come back and repopulate that area. How crazy is this? So that he wouldn't come back and repopulate that area. And Jesus calls us the salt of the earth. You know what I want to be? 
I want to be that salty earth that makes it so that the enemy can't come back and repopulate what's in my life. But not just my life, your life too. I want to be the salt. Crush me up, God, and use me and spread me across the land so that we go ahead and make it so the enemy don't come back to the territory. I like that. I don't know. I didn't get a whole lot of amens on that because you were still caught up in the part where I was talking about politics and stuff. But it's time for the church to wake up, to rise up out of slumber, to stand and fight against the enemy. We've got to stand together as the church we've got to come against the enemy there's a stronghold that's got to come and maybe you sit here today and you're like well I've heard it so long that God's coming back I'm getting tired of it maybe he's not going to let me share this with you this is just it blew my mind when I was studying this y'all maybe you heard about it like every news channel picked it up when the red heifer showed up in Jerusalem y'all know like that's really significant (laughs) and uh here's something that's really interesting Interesting, in 70 AD, there had only been nine recorded in sacrifice. Nine. Like, in all of this time, nine. And there have been people for like 10 or probably longer trying to breed these and make them happen. And here we go, Texas like delivers the, the end time to, the, <laughs> to Jerusalem. <laughs> uh, yep, it's Texas's fault, okay? The world ends, we're going to call, we're going to blame Texas. <laughs> Anyways, the significance of this, the the Jewish religious law that defines a red heifer practically makes it a genetic anomaly. Like they just like don't really exist. It's super rare. Only nine have been recorded in sacrifice since the time of Moses. And in 70 AD, they lost the ashes for purification. And here we are in 2022. The, ash, the, 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 the red heifer is there for sacrifice. And they need the ashes for purification. So maybe you're like, you've been sitting there your whole life and you're like, well, I just don't see it. Go ahead and open the book of Revelations and just try and figure out which chapter we're in today. I promise you, we are there. Like, it's coming. Like, it's going to happen. It's a matter of time. Make your calling an election. Sure. Don't, don't, don't think that we can live in sin. We can live however we want to live. We've got to follow the word of God. Okay, so here in verse 14, this is the final scripture in this chapter. This is a real short chapter. You probably knew, oh man, come 2022, I'm going to give these ones up here about government stuff and the preacher's going to get up and preach these and he's going to be wore out by the time he gets through that part. I just got to make this a short chapter. (laughs) In verse 14, it says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. I missed a scripture, and we got to read those ones. I'm sorry. I missed 12 and 13. I missed 13. It says, let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy. In quarreling and jealousy. Let's just talk about those ones. Those ones are easy to talk about. No one likes the other ones that are right there. Let's just talk about quarreling. What is quarreling? Oh, let's stop fighting each other. (laughs) Let's stand together as the body of Christ, not disjointed body of Christ. It's the unified body of Christ. I want to have the whole armor of God. So in, now that I mentioned that, here in uh, this final scripture, stop these things. But in verse 14, but put on, the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision 
for the flesh to gratify its desires. Put on Christ. What's that mean? Romans, or I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 6. Man, last night, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not. Thank you, Daniel. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It isn't about you and me. We're not wrestling each other. We are wrestling the principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, this is my favorite scripture, and having done all to stand, when you have done everything that you can do to stand, keep standing. Don't step back. Don't, don't, take us, don't take the easy road. Go ahead and keep on standing and put on the whole armor of God. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Gospel of peace. It's not the gospel of war. It's the gospel of peace. But in peace, we do war with the spiritual realm. We do war against the enemy. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the, the wicked. What are those fiery darts? That's the temptation, the things that, that, that come up against you. So pick up the shield of faith so that you can stop them. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And this final thing right here is so important. We like that whole first part right there where it talks about putting on these cool things. Because everybody likes armor and swords. If you don't, I think you're the weird one. But right here it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Whew. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching there too with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Don't stop fighting. Don't stop praying. Don't give up. So how do I put on Christ? Well, I need to come to repentance. I need to repent. God, I got some messed up stuff in my life. I'm going to own up to it. God, please forgive me. You should be baptized. That's what it talks about. Repent and be baptized. When they said, men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. It's covenant with him. I want to be a promise holder. I want to have his stamp on my life. You need it. As we are washed and clean and we've got nothing in us, let's go ahead and let him fill us with his spirit. God, I need your spirit in me because it's what's going to give me the power. Acts 1 and 8, it says, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I need some power to stand against the enemy because I can't do it on my own. Don't satisfy yourself. It's for him. This is not about convenience. I'm sorry to tell you that serving God is not about convenience in your life. It is about coming to the realization that there is a war that's being waged for your soul. And that you have got to lay yourself on the altar. God, I give everything to you. Everything that I am, God, it is yours. Well, maybe you're asleep today. Maybe the end time brings you fear. Maybe you're struggling with your faith. But there's a powerful cost to what Jesus said. I have overcome. He already overcame so that we can live in peace 
and we can pursue him. And no matter what man says, we were never seeking in the approval of God. I have always sought the approval of God. Yes, I've got caught up in my personal life, but I cannot get caught up in seeking man's approval. I don't care what someone else thinks about what I preach. I don't care what someone else thinks about what I do. They're like, oh, I don't like this and I don't like that. I mat- What matters to me is that I am approved by God, not by man. It doesn't matter if the government likes what I'll preach, I'm going to preach Jesus. It doesn't matter if society likes what I'll preach, I'll preach Jesus. Because he's the one that saves us. He's the one that changes us. He's the author of our faith. I need Jesus in our life. It doesn't matter what the community says. It matters what Jesus says. So it's all for him. We have been brought out to go to war. We have been brought out to take the junk-covered shoes off, to stop living with those. We've been brought out so that we could shine as a light. We have been called out so that we can be victory, victorious, not to sleep. I know that this may have been probably one of the craziest messages and for sure in my mind it is one of the craziest I've ever preached. But it's these last few scriptures in here that really hit my heart for me. That is for the church to wake up. That we can't sit idly by but we have got to go and we've got to stand. God, help me to stand. God, I, I, I'm, I struggle with keeping sin out of my life. God, I pray that you'd help me. God, I, I pray that you would give me the strength, God. you got to know he's victorious that he wears the victim's crown. As this song plays, let's pray for unity in our church. Let's pray. Let's let's pray for someone that we're next to. If you feel comfortable, ask the person before you just pray for them, but ask the person next to you. Can I pray with you? Pray with them. Let's pray as family. Let's pray as one body, worshiping God. Let's pray. God, I need you. If you need someone to pray, if you need something, you're struggling with something, why don't you come to the front? And let me pray with you. I want to stand with my brothers and my sisters. I want you to know that I war, that I've got your back. If when it comes to the spiritual fight, I will do the knockdown, drag out fight that I've got to do to help you. God, I pray that you would move right now, that you would touch us today, God. In Jesus' name, God, let your presence move in this place, God.
pray for every student in here, for every child, God, that will walk into school, God. God, I pray that you would protect them, that you would keep them, God. God, I pray for every family right now, God, for every individual in this place, God. God, that you would touch us, God, that you would protect us, God. God, that we would be able to stand, God. I pray that you would encourage and lift us up today, God. God, help us to look to you, the one who wears the victor's crown, God. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. God, he wears the victor's crown. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, when we call on his name, every hot thing must come down. Every stronghold must be broken. I believe it in Jesus' name. That's why I talk about putting the armor of God on, because we've got to be able to stand. And the only way we can is if we put that on. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I worship you. Hallelujah. God, I pray that you would keep us, God. Unite us. Bring us closer together and closer to you. In Jesus' name, God. In Jesus' name, we worship you. Be sure to greet someone. Tell someone hello. You're glad to see them. Maybe you're not glad to see them, but be glad to see them because they're your brother and your sister. Even if they're your wife, technically, we're like brothers and sisters to the Lord, but my wife is my wife, not my sister. <laughs> 